0: Morning. Oh, there we are. Good morning. I was thinking of a lot of details, and whenever I do, I'm like, wait, what about the microphone? So glad to see you guys this morning. My name's Nicole. I'm part of the team here at Hill City, and I am really, really glad to get to bring a word for this morning. Um, I just in this season, Lacey Lacey Wagler, who's on the team as well, we were texting earlier this week and we were laughing and she was like, hey, I'm gonna start 2022 in February. And I'm like, I'm gonna start 2022 in 2023 because I can't seem to get this year started. I mean, I don't know if you guys are feeling just that extra weight of like the wave after wave after wave of continued change, continued transition, continued flexibility that's required for all of us. And it is wearisome, it truly is. And I just think about what we get to do together when we come to church, Um, just the act of gathering, just the act of being together, the act of sitting here and saying, okay, I wanna be under God's word. In the midst of a world that is always constantly turbulent, we do have a firm foundation. And I just think that when we're together, and even though you don't necessarily know the people near you, this is a room full of people who are seeking to believe that we do actually have a firm foundation. And that when we see one another here, we're able to do that together and we can come to God's word and say, okay, Lord, you who are sovereign and who are not surprised, God who is not surprised by this season in our lives and in our world, what do you have to give us today in your living and active word that actually is relevant for your life? for your life today, for my life today, that when we come together in God's word, we can trust and believe, and that's what I'm asking for from you today, is to just, try to trust and believe that these words are for you this morning, that God has a word to bring to each of us individually, that through his spirit, he can do that. I don't know what he's doing in your life, um, but he does. He knows what he's doing in your life. And he's brought you here today to remind you, I believe, of some foundational truths that are like our actual joy. So we're in a series called First Love. We're looking through the book of Ephesians together. So if you bring your Bible, if you wanna open, you can. I'll show it to you on the screen. But we called it First Love because in the book of Revelation, which is the last book in the Bible, there's this like callback to the church at Ephesus. And in this callback where John is writing these like prophetic uh, words to the early church, It says, hey, church at Ephesus, you're doing an awesome job, you're persevering, you're sticking to the truth, but here is my problem with you. You've forgotten your first love. And it's just such a sticky thought, I think, for all of us. We know what love feels like. We know what first love feels like. In some form or fashion, all of us have experienced some kind of first love, whether that's your actual first romantic love or it's like the puppy you got when you were in sixth grade or whatever that moment is, we can feel the feeling of first love. It's like a visceral feeling that you can probably even feel right now. And what this is saying about who we are in Christ is that it's always going to foundationally come back to your first love. It's always gonna come back to love, to the way that we experience God as love, and in times of trouble and turmoil, the way that we return to that sort of spiritual home base, which we're gonna talk about today, the spiritual home base of love. So we're gonna be in Ephesians three, that's where we are and we're gonna continue through Ephesians for a few more weeks. But we're in Ephesians three in this really like beautiful passage that many of us have maybe read before, it's this wrap up prayer. Paul's been doing some teaching up till now and you can listen back to the sermons if you missed Ephesians one and two and we've got all this stuff that's happening. And in Ephesians three verse one, Paul starts with for this reason and he continues to sort of build his doctrine, right? And then he's gonna say it again. And what he's saying right before the moment we're getting into is he's like, hey, everything that I've taught you up to now is why you can have confidence. This is why we're bold and confident in our lives, is because of everything I've taught you up till now. And then he kinda has this like segue. And here's the segue right here, Ephesians 3, verse 14. For this reason, for the reason, the reason was you can be bold and confident. For this reason I kneel before the Father, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we would ever ask for or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. And this is just in the middle of his letter. He He just has to stop what he's doing, stop what he's teaching, stop what he's corresponding with this church at Ephesus about, to just offer this prayer. And he even, he actually makes, he's like, I'm in a posture where in the middle of this letter, I just need to stop because I'm praying for you about the things that actually matter. And what I think we're gonna find in this passage is that we have clues here about what it really means to pray for what matters. And what God is actually saying matters for us in this life. So I wanna break down the passage a few different ways and then we're gonna talk about this idea of spiritual home base. So I just wanna start here really like basic on this idea of I pray, okay? So right here, is that working? Yay, okay, so take a second if you're a praying person, even if you're not like necessarily you're, you're, you're on a weird spot or a new spot or a beginning spot in your spiritual journey, most of us have prayed before um, on some level. And so think about for a minute, I want you to just think about two or three things that you pray about. Just two or three things that you're likely to pray about. I'm going to write down some that I'm likely to pray about. Definitely worries. Definitely circumstances. Definitely wants. And, you know, confession, praise as well, right? I think that's something, we could, does that sound familiar to you guys, does that feel a, a kind of in line? Anyone just wanna shout out something else they pray about? <laughs> People are like, no, not at all. Um, okay, this was just like for my week, um, just thinking through, what do I actually turn to pray about? I petition God a lot about circumstances, I petition him a lot about things that I am worried about. And then I thought about what it says here about how we're to pray. And Paul is praying that we would have strengthened hearts. He's praying that we would be rooted in love. He's praying that we'll have power, but not power for circumstances necessarily, but actual, actually to have power to understand love, to even, to even grasp this love, that we would need prayer for that. And then he goes on, he's like, and that you would even understand that it's even better than that. (laughs) Like, to God who can do immeasurably, immeasurably more than you can even ask for or imagine, like, that you would even be able to grasp that it's better than that. It's better than even your knowledge. And how different this is over here than my normal list of prayers. Now, it's not that praying like this is a problem. It's not that God doesn't say not to pray like this. We know it says in Philippians to pray in everything, in everything, bring everything to God. Bring it to him with praise. Bring your little things, bring your big things. But as I was preparing this message, I was like, but I am, I am kind of convicted about this idea that there's something here that is so much more than this list of worries, circumstances wants. There's this whole other way That Paul really wanted to pray for the church to pray for us. That Paul wanted to really teach us to pray for each other. And the praying for each other is not like, oh, I I hope, you know, dear God, please help my friend to get this job or resolve this relationship or get out of that relationship. It's not just that, right? That there's actually like this whole other level that's like, oh, Lord, like I'm just, I want to pray for my friend. I want to pray for my children, my husband, that we might be rooted and established in love, like, that is so different. Does that strike you guys as different than your sort of daily interaction? So I was really drawn in by this. I was like, how do we understand this? How can we actually grow into being the kind of people who can pray about this? And I think actually understanding Paul's prayer a little bit more deeply might, might help us see the way that God is desiring to interact with us as individuals and as a church in what we're looking out at, at the way we see the world. So the first things I pray, now let's look at this little section right here. It says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inmost being. This whole idea of heavenly realms is all through this letter. John's talked about that a lot, that all through Ephesians, Paul gives us revelation, and he's seeking reconciliation. So we hear something new and God's doing something to reconcile something to himself. And I think what we're actually being reconciled to in this passage is how we think about the world and how we experience God's love. And I just was like, look at this pastor. I'm like, out of his glorious riches, like there's just so much of it, Ephesians 2 and 3, he keeps talking about like giving out of his riches, out of his riches, out of his riches. One of our kids cannot keep money in his pocket. He just, as soon as money goes in his pocket, it has to be spent. And it's like the more that's there, the more he just wants to give away. It feels like this sense of like, when I've got a lot, this particular kid's heart is I wanna give a lot. It's just the more you have, the more you wanna give. But I don't know about you guys, I feel like I approach God like He doesn't have a lot to give me. And I need to stop asking. And I was thinking about it this week, I'm standing in my kitchen and I'm holding these teaspoons and I'm like, I feel like I come to God and I'm like worried about asking for this teaspoon that I'm gonna scoop out of the ocean. Like I'm gonna run to the edge of the ocean and scoop out a teaspoon and be like, God, that's all, thank you, thank you, I'll try not to ask again. And the Lord's like, do you see my ocean? Do you think that your teaspoon is a problem? Do you think your continued worries that you keep praying about, do you think that your continued failure and sin is a problem for me, a problem for my riches? Like, I'm trying to get you to understand my love is so deep that at your worst, you're like a tablespoon. Good, here's your tablespoon. Okay, oh, because it's that thing from 10 years ago, 20 years ago, guys, that you're still carrying around, that you're still regretting, that you're still thinking is keeping you from the Lord. You're still trying to work your way out of it. Perform for Him. Show up. But He's like, "Will you? Do you want to scoop out what you need from My Ocean?" That's what. How glorious His riches are. Like how how deep and great His love is. That He, he isn't a God of scarcity but he's also not a God who, who has us in his word saying, hey, um, let's pray about your worries and your circumstances because when God makes things happy, then you'll know he's real. Because what Paul's praying is no, like no matter what the circumstances, no matter what's happening, I pray that you'd be rooted and established in love. I pray that whatever needs or wants that you have, that they'd be moving you towards being able to grasp God's power. It's just such a different way to see what this life is really about, yeah? It's such a different spiritual realm that we're being invited into, not just for ourselves, but even maybe more so for each other. It's like, oh, my friend's struggling, my friend's circumstances are difficult. Am I praying, man, I'm just praying that she she would just understand God's love for her. She'd just be so rooted and established in love that whatever, God, you're doing, if you're using this struggle or this suffering to bring her to that place, I'm praying like that because I'm confident in God, I'm confident in who God is, and I think that's something that we're all continuing to grow into. Next part of this passage is right here, that he may strengthen you with power. He goes on and says, that you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I stepped in sort of last minute for today to preach. So I was kind of like, okay, Lord, what, what do you have? I don't have my normal like preparation time and what do you have for us? this week and I went for a run and I was running and the Lord brought something to mind that I just wanna share with you guys kind of as like our main kind of stuff to take home today. Um, About 15 years ago, it's a long time to remember something, 15 years ago, um, my kids were really little, I had a new baby and a little two year old and I just was like, spent (laughs) i just didn't have a lot to offer anyone or the world at all and it just it was shockingly hard to be a mom like i just was surprised by how hard it was not because the work was hard but because it was just so relentless and i just didn't know where my life was going so i was just seeking something some place for fellowship community and i found this women's bible study at a church that i didn't attend but it was a church sort of down the street and so i started going to this bible study with a four like a five day old baby in a little sling And the Bible study was by a Bible teacher named Beth Moore. Some of you guys might know who Beth Moore is. Um, She sort of is like the OG of Bible studies, particularly for women, although her work is, I mean, she's really a phenomenal Bible teacher, best Bible teacher I've ever listened to. And I went to this study, and the study was called Believe in God. And Beth Moore told this story at the beginning of the study, and she said, you know, I was spending time with God, and I felt like the Lord said to me, I know you believe in me but do you believe me? I know you believe in me, but do you believe me? And out of that came the study, and as I'm running, two days, three days ago, I can remember exactly what we were meant to believe in, what she'd actually taught. And I thought, man, if you are remembering something from 15 years ago, it was probably really good. I probably should just tell you guys about it. Like, I don't need to give you any different words. So I want to tell you about these beliefs. What does it mean to actually believe God? Because I think this is like our spiritual home base. In the winter, particularly when our kids were little, we used to always, like when you had nothing else to do, build forts. You guys ever build forts? And we used to always build forts and like trying to put sheets up with duct tape on the wall and make these like crazy cool things. And there's something about a fort, right? You remember that feeling as a kid, your tree house or your fort that you would build and you just get in it and it felt safe and secure. You know that feeling you just kind of get where you're sort of burrowed into this fort and you feel safe and secure. And I think that believing God and knowing what we believe is like our spiritual fort. It's like this home base that we have in our heart. Like it says in this passage, the place that Christ dwells. That we can have this dwelling place. You can think of it as a fort if you want. This internal dwelling place where we have these rock solid beliefs that we're continuing to build our life upon. And they're places that we get to return again and again so that when we're swayed by the world or when things begin to feel insecure or we begin to feel shaky, we know what that spiritual home base is. And here's what Beth Moore taught in that passage about what that spiritual home base is. The first thing is, God is who he says he is. Our first spiritual home base is that God is who he says he is. Now that might naturally have you ask the question, do I know who God is? What does God say about who God is? What is my experience of what God says about who God is? Because that's where we're going to start and understand what he says. Do you know that God says that he is love? That God says there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. God says he is patient. God says that he has glorious riches with which to um, just bless you abundantly with spiritual blessings in your life. Now, you might say that's not my experience. But to believe God, not just to believe in God, but to believe God is to take God at his word. And to start to actually say, yeah, do I live like that's true? Do I live like when, when God says that this, you can scoop that out, you are never gonna run out. You're never gonna run out of my grace. You're never gonna run out of my love. You can keep coming back to my ocean. You cannot even begin to touch the kind of love and grace I have for you. That will never be withdrawn. That will always be there for you. Do we believe that? This passage that we're looking at right now, it talks about how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine. He said, you know, it's really funny because this whole passage is about math. This whole passage is like God's exceeding riches, his surpassing riches that surpass your knowledge. You're gonna be filled to the fullness with all the measure of God. How wide, long, high, deep. It's all this math. I don't remember, I don't know if you guys remember the moment where math blew your mind. Some of us are like, it was in third grade, (laughs) you know, and I I don't ever want to go back. But do you you remember that moment where you learned something in math? Maybe it was like pre-calculus or algebra two or geometry, and you're like, what is this? What are these people talking about? What is this like imaginary numbers? I remember the moment when math blew my mind. My dad was a math teacher. He was actually a math professor and he would talk to us about math and I remember at a very young age him explaining infinity and drawing the infinity symbol and I was so fascinated by the idea that numbers never cease but it, you can't really quite get it. Our God is a God that will blow your mind. You can't really quite get it. But what you can get is what he tells us to be true. And if we try to explain it all and rationalize it all and understand it all, we'll miss the glory of a passage like this that basically says it's wide, it's long, it's high, it's deep, it's so much you can't fully grasp it. But we can ask God to help us grasp it. We actually have to ask God to help us get it. God, can you help me get it? Like how much you love me. Can you help me get it because the world around me is making me believe that's not true, but I wanna believe you, God. I don't wanna just believe in you. I wanna believe you for who you are. God is who he says he is. Second thing, God can do what he says he can do. If God says he can do it, he can do it. Another pastor when, preaching from this message said, the power is not from us, therefore the pressure is not on us. When we believe that God can do what he says he can do, when we believe that God is sovereign, that God can move, that God is holding all things together, that we do have hope, that God is eternal, when we believe that God can do what he says he can do, we believe that the power is not from us, therefore the pressure is not on us. I don't have the pressure to figure out all of these things. I should actually rest with my father in heaven, knowing that he's got it, he's taking care of it. Now remember, these are aspirational beliefs, yeah? This is, I'm not saying this is how I live my life. This is how I want to live my life. This is what I want to be my spiritual home base. God is who he says he is. God can do what he says he can do. I am who God says I am. Remember, we talked in Ephesians two. For you were dead in your sin, but you're alive in Christ. For you are God's masterpiece. That God has actually said that he's made us male and female in his image. That we have God-ordained qualities within us. That your creativity and your humor and your imagination, your athletic prowess, your ability to work a spreadsheet, whatever it is, is God's divine goodness in you that he's given to you, male and female, all of us together as human beings. Like that is what God said about us, that God is the one who said that we were worth it to him, that he would give his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God decided that. You you don't decide if that's right for you. God decided it was right for you. We are who God says we are. And if you don't know who God says that you are, that's a great place to start. If you wanna build a home for Christ in your heart, if you want Christ to dwell in your heart and you wanna build that spiritual home, you wanna know what God says about you. You wanna know what God says about you and about himself. It might be as easy as as where I am right now in January, I'm just reading a Psalm a day. You just start reading a Psalm a day and be like, what does this tell me (laughs) about who I am according to God? What does this tell me about who God is according to God? And begin to build that spiritual home. Finally, I can do all things through Christ. God is who he says he is. God can do what he says he can do. I am who God says I am. And I can do all things through Christ. Now here's the thing, this sounds really good. But I know that we are all probably in a time where we're like, but I don't really think I can do all things. No, I can't. I can't do all things. I don't feel like I can do all things. I know it says in Scripture that God can do immeasurably more, but I'm not experiencing immeasurably more, and I understand that. And I want you to know, for those of you who are like, no, I can't do that, here's the truth. You're right. You can't. This is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is you can't, we are all really messed up and we just keep messing up and we actually are not gonna find it within and there's gonna be a lot of messages around you that are like just find it within, yeah, chin up. You can do all things through Christ. No, Christ can do all things through Christ. Christ in you can do all things through Christ. You don't have to. It's exactly where God wants you to be when you're like, oh my gosh, Lord, I can't do this. I don't feel like you're with me. I'm not seeing you move here. I can't do this. God's like, good, that's where I can meet you. This is now where we can work because you're getting in touch with who you really are. It is okay because as Christ dwells in you, you will find that you can do all things through Christ who's dwelling in you. Christ is doing all things through Christ, not you. You get to go along for the ride. And you get to be in touch with God and say, can I, can I be along for the ride in what you're doing in my life? Can I be along for the ride in what you're doing in the lives around me? Because this is really a communal experience that we have when we think about this prayer. This prayer is about God working in all of us together, the whole family. When the passage starts and Paul says, I pray to the father from whom the whole family derives its name, that's actually literal. He means like from the Greek, the word for father is the same word that derives the word family. It actually is the way he derives the name. God is the source of all. He's the source of all love. He's the source of everything that we have that's a longing for family. We don't see family and then figure out what God's like. We actually start with God and then realize that our family is a shade of it, but it's not it. And we get to be a family together, a spiritual family in this way, in the way that we dwell together. We are who God says we are. If you're not feeling like you can do that, here's the truth, two verses for you. Philippians 419, my God will meet all your needs according to the riches, again, we're back on riches, according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Second Corinthians 9.8, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things At all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. Final point, sometimes our wants are covering up our needs. What the Bible promises is that God will meet our needs. The Bible does not promise that God will meet our wants. And I was thinking about this, that sometimes our wants can cover up our needs. We're so focused on our wants, we're so focused on the circumstances that we're actually missing what's going on underneath of it. Sometimes our wants are pointing, they're pointing us to our needs. That's another way to say it. Sometimes these deep longings that we want, we want peace, we want harmony, we want relationship, we want love. Sometimes those wants are actually pointing us to say, here's your deeper need that God can meet. So if I want these circumstances changed, my deeper need is I actually want peace. Do you know that God can bring me peace without that circumstance changing, because that's the actual need that he's willing to meet. God will meet our needs, and sometimes we have to learn that our wants are covering up our needs, but it takes prayer to believe this, which is why I love that we're here in this passage. As we wrap up today, this prayer is about praying for these real things, praying for these big things, back to that list of things that we can pray for. That in the spirit of this message, we can pray for strengthened hearts. We can pray to be rooted in love. We can pray to have power. We can pray to believe God, not just believe in God. And so as we go to a minute, we're gonna have a minute to to pause and to think before we close the sermon. And then we've got baptisms today, which I'm so excited about. I'm gonna talk a little bit about baptisms in a moment. Perfect way to end today.